nothing he ever did succeeded. Nothing he did lasted. He thought out of all things, being a riverboat man going down the Mississippi River would be his life calling until the money ran dry. And then he thought being a small business owner, that would be his ticket to prosperity and fulfillment in life, only to go bankrupt. And then he thought being a dutiful politician would be his stamp of service until he lost again and again and again. The man who originated American Thanksgiving had a lot of confusion in his early life about God's providence, God's handling of his life. Because it seemed like every single one of his prayers was answered with a swift and soundless no. Maybe you and Abraham Lincoln have more in common than the $5 bill in your purse or the occasional penny you might find in the parking lot. Maybe you too have gone to God time and again for a want or a need and you prayed your heart out for it. And it seems like that prayer just keeps falling on these deaf, divine ears. Now, Thanksgiving is designed for rejoicing over God's answered prayers, the things he said yes to, and yet so often we find ourselves reflecting on this past year and seeing more of those no-answered prayers. So what does it mean to be thankful for no? King David experienced that question firsthand. When we run into him today here in 2 Samuel 7, David had gone through more adversity than maybe we can picture. After years of stresses, white-knuckle grip on his life, he could finally let out a fearless breath. Ever since he was called out of the pasture when he was a shepherd, anointed with oil to be the next king of Israel, security for David was a hard thing to find. His former mentor, King Saul, became his most hate-filled enemy. His tears stained his body armor as he mourned the loss of his best friend Jonathan in the line of duty. Civil war had enveloped his country. Murder and division were everywhere, and yet there was a spark in that darkness. God had delivered him. God had brought him through it. God was there for him. And as we run into David today, he's there sitting in the Lord's presence. He's finally established as the king of Israel. And he reflects on all the things that he has gone through. And he erupts with joy. He dances before the Lord. He's so thankful for everything that God has done for him. And all this rejoicing and all this thanksgiving, it culminates in a prayer and a request. God, you've done all this for me. It's the least I could do to build you a temple, to build a magnificent church building so that more people can come and see what I've seen, your grace, your love, that they can rejoice and praise you in this place. I mean, talk about an awesome prayer. Could there be a more godly request than to build a church for God? But you can probably guess how God responded to that prayer. He said no. In fact, he not only says no, he completely turns the tables on David. Look at what happens. God says, I myself will make a house for you. God promises to build a house, a royal line, a family for David. A family that wasn't just any family, a family through whom the Messiah would come. That's what God is talking about when he says, I'm going to establish your throne forever. 
It's this divine answer that's swirling in David's mind as we find him sitting in the Lord's presence. Now, this is a really neat blessing. And yet, think about what that temple meant for David. That was probably his life's greatest ambition. That was probably the one way he thought he could say thank you to God adequately for all that God had done for him. Would he feel disappointment? Would he feel anger? That God not only said no to this request, but then went ahead and one-upped him? How would you have felt? As I think through this last year, I especially think about those no-answered prayers. I find that attitude of gratitude, that thanksgiving, to be the furthest attitude from my heart. Maybe it's the same for you too. It's easy to say thank you Jesus when you do what we've asked you to do, but it's so hard to say thank you when at times he does the exact opposite of what we're hoping for, right? Thankful for no and all those prayers for a grandparent or a spouse who's struggling with cancer, all those prayers that seem to go unanswered as the Lord calls them home. Gratitude when you're sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner with your family hoping that maybe this is the year that there aren't any arguments and there's no shouting across the room and yet there you are, it's happening again. Like your prayer was just an echo without a response. Thanksgiving when that job or that raise that would really help your family, the budget's been tight, this would really be a blessing only to see that promotion of that raise given to someone else who you think doesn't need it like you do. Thanksgiving, when you're struggling with that one sin or that addiction that's been on your mind and on your heart and in your life for years. And no matter how many times you say, Lord, take this away, it stays right there. When God says no, how much Satan and our sinful flesh want us to set our eyes on not trusting in God anymore, to not see the value that the Lord has in us, how much they want to erode any sense of certainty that we have that God will come through for us. In fact, they want us not to be thankful for no, but critical of God. Critical of the love that we need from him. They want us to lash out at God and be disappointed with him and how he handles our lives. Is this how David would respond to his no-answered prayer? Well, David responds... With a very simple question, but it's very profound, it's deep. He simply asks, who am I? He doesn't quip back to God, who do you think you are? No. He thinks about it. He self-analyzes and he keeps in mind, who am I that you'd even listen to my prayer, Lord? I mean, what is my family that you've brought me this far? I know what I've done. I know where I've been. Yet despite all that, you chose to love me and you chose to do what's best for me even if I can't see the reasons behind it. All of a sudden, he's looking back at his past and he's seeing connections he never saw before. He sees how God had put this whole thing together, this picture that once seemed so clouded now was stunningly clear. God knew what he was doing. His love was shining through. So maybe 
it'd be wise for us this morning to ask ourselves that same question. Who are we? Who am I? Ask yourself that question this Thanksgiving when you find the devil trying to tug you back into doubting God and how he has planned your life. Because when you self-analyze and you begin to see the incredible wisdom and love of God, that painting of your life that seems so dark, so gray, so like a blob that you can't quite figure out, now you see color, you see lines, you see angles, you see a picture. You start thinking back to those distant, no answered prayers, and all of a sudden you see things that just never made sense until now. You see, if God would have said yes to this prayer 15 years ago, then this amazing thing wouldn't be happening right now. And if God would have said yes to this prayer, then he or she wouldn't have been a part of your life. But now, here they are. If God would have done things the way that you wanted him to do it, you wouldn't have the close relationship relationship that you have with him now. These connections are made, and you're standing there in awe, just like David Shocked and amazed that God would have this whole blueprint for your life perfectly tailored for you, perfectly designed to bring you closer and closer to him. It's when you think about Jesus as your king and you think about the culmination that he is that you can look into the future and know what your final chapter will say. You're going to be with Christ the king forever. It's when we think about our past and we see how God has worked everything for our good that we can look ahead to the future with boldness. I mean, think about who God is. Even despite our frustration with him when he doesn't go the way that we would like him to go or doesn't take us to the places we want to be, in his selfless love, he keeps loving us. And he keeps wanting to hear our prayers and he keeps wanting to be there for you and draw you closer to him. It's when we discover this truth that we can really understand what David says next. As he looks at his life and he looks to the future, he says with confidence, and as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you've also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. God had not only guided him in the past, but now David had a sure future in front of him. A future that would culminate with Jesus being his distant grandson. Now I have a hunch that none of us here today have had God personally appear to us like he did with David to tell us this step-by-step plan for our future. Except at the same time, such a hunch would be completely off base and totally wrong. Because God has personally appeared to you through this book. It's in the Bible itself that God has given you step by step how your life is going to go. It's in this appearance of Jesus that you see your purpose and the future that ends with Jesus coming back as the king of all in the clouds and bringing you home to him. It's this portal into God's heart that you see the greatest news of all, the news that we heard in our gospel reading today, when Jesus saw that woman who was so filled with burdens and of guilt and of shame. And what did he say? Your sins are forgiven. That means all of our sins of anger against God for saying no to our prayers, gone forever. All of our sins of doubting God's goodness for us, just like the wind 
You can't catch it. It's gone. All of our sin of criticizing God and not seeing things like he sees things, gone forever, never to return to our hearts. It's when we see Jesus with that last day perspective that everything comes into focus. It's when we see just in our own lives how much detail and care the personal component of God's love that we start reflecting and wondering, who are we? What more can we say? How can we think any differently than how Jesus has changed your mind and heart? It's when the Holy Spirit reveals to us more and more every single day the goodness of God, even the little things of life. So we stand back in awe and amazement that no matter what we face, there's nothing that can touch God's grace. I think that's what David was uncovering as he's looking again over and over all the episodes in his life and everything he's been through, and he kind of shifts into the third person here. Did you notice that? He says, what more can David say to you? No, he thinks beyond himself for a minute, and he looks at every aspect of who he is as a person, every little page in his life, and he realizes something. God loved him despite of himself, despite of who David was. He saw all the regrets that he wished he could go back and change. He saw all the sins that just kept being on his mind. And he's overwhelmed. Why? What does it say? For you, God, know your servant. God knew every part of who David was. Even the parts he wished he could hide from God. But God's forgiveness was there for him. God could see everything that David wanted to hide and he exposed it to his light and blinded the darkness forever. That forgiveness was just as real for the woman in our gospel who did a lot of things that she was very ashamed about. God's forgiveness for her was real. And for you, if you're still struggling with shame for a sin you did years ago, God's forgiveness is just as real and authentic and true for you too. It is scary to think about that God knows us more than we'll ever know ourselves and no amount of introspection can change God's knowledge of us. He's always going to know more. And that can be scary. Make us think sometimes, after all I've done, could God really love somebody like me? If you've ever found yourself asking that question or if you ever do, Remember what David has to say. As David reflects on all the things he's done, he realizes that for the sake of your word and according to your will, God, you've done this great thing and made it known to your servant. God had a scary love for David and he has a scary love for you too. Scary not for you and for me, but scary for all those forces that try to divide us from God. See, his love for you, it stops every attack of the evil one. His love for you can be trusted even when everything else seems to be full of misinformation and confusion. It's his love for you that shows you the Father's watchful eye. As you read in every page of the Bible, you see a God who selflessly puts everything on the line with your eternal 
destiny in his hands. Like we just sang in our last hymn, your name is written in those hands, in gold, forever engraved. And it's those same hands are going to welcome you one day. That He's working everything in this life that is fleeting and fast to prepare you for a life that's eternal and enduring. And when you think about the forgiveness you have in Jesus, when you think about the place in God's family you have, what challenge can get in the way of our sight line on Jesus? How can we not shout with songs of thanksgiving? How can we not say, thank you, Lord, for saying no? Because you said no now, I stand closer to you than I ever have before. How can we not burst our own eardrums along with David, exclaiming how great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you. As we have heard with our own ears, that very word that you've heard with your own ears just keeps on itching for more. Especially at those times in life when God's love seems hidden to you. It's in those times that his love might be the clearest. When those circumstances in life are not the way you'd like them to be. Like Paul, he's sitting in prison. If there's ever a time for him to lash out at God and be angry for how God has handled his life, it'd be then. But that's not what he does. He gives thanks no matter what the circumstance may be. You saw what he said. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's your identity that you have in Christ that instinctively joins the song of the saints that rejoices in Christ our King who rules all things even when it doesn't seem to be that way. It's that perspective that makes you see the greatness of God. And the aspect of his greatness that he especially wants you to focus on and to emphasize in your life It's not his omniscience of knowing everything. It's not his omnipotence of having all power. It's not his omnipresence of being everywhere at the same time. All incredible components and characteristics and attributes of God. No, the one attribute he wants you to think about the most is his love for you. His love that seems so humble oftentimes doesn't seem significant when you think about it. When you think about how personal it is for you, How can you not shout with songs of thanksgiving? How can you not approach life with an optimism and a hope that can't be snuffed out by things like sin or adversity or pain or suffering? We can be thankful for no because we know that God's love will always shine through and his love will ultimately bring this world of pain into a whole different reality when he comes back and transforms everything, restores everything again like new. A perfection that we can only barely imagine. It's that perspective that I think Jesus, the master teacher, was teaching Abraham Lincoln way back when. It was late October 1863, right before he instituted American Thanksgiving for the first time where he was trying to process those awful battles that were Gettysburg and Chickamauga, two of the deadliest battles even still today in American history. And as he was thinking about the victims of this war, those who had given their lives, the families they had left behind, and all this was weighing down on his mind and heart, I can't help but imagine he thought through all the prayers he had offered up to God that he'd remove this bloodshed, that this would be over. I mean, you might even expect after all this turmoil, 
that finally he'd say, okay, God, I'm going to leave you in the dust. You're not worth it. Clearly you're not coming through for me. But that's, that's not at all what President Lincoln did. He said, amid the greatest difficulties of my administration, when I found no other resort, I would place my whole reliance on God, knowing all would go well, that he would decide for the right. My dear family, place your whole reliance on your saving God. Be thankful for no, because Jesus knows you. You're his friend. He's yours. Like probably the first hymn you ever learned says, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. That's the certainty that you have. As you reflect on 2021, you look ahead to 2022, see the blessings that God always has waiting for you and rejoice that you have a God who holds all things in his hands, who's preparing a place for you right now and who will do whatever it takes to bring you home. Amen. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be all glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen.